Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. I want to start reading in Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. And I think we've, we've got it up on the screen as well. And it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. I want to talk today on longevity. It's one of those words that today, uh, Jill laughs because she's doing well in that. She, you know, she can probably have a diamond crown on that one, as many of you can. But longevity, it's today's day and age we live in. Longevity is not necessarily one of those celebrated points of, of character because it's often about the highs or even the lows. Uh, we'll often hear about the real lows of society and the real highs of society. But when you think about so many faithful people throughout their lives who have held with the Lord, they've kept a relationship with Him, they've kept praying, they've kept sharing the Gospel whenever they can, they've been, been really good stewards with what God's given them, you may not ever hear about them. But the Lord looks upon them just the same as He would anyone else who's been celebrated. In fact, people who are celebrated, the Bible hints toward them getting their reward already on earth. That's why it talks about sometimes doing things in, in hidden places. I often find it interesting when people are going on a fast and they put on Facebook, I'm beginning my 21-day fast. You've got your reward already. You'll never see me do that, by the way. Because the Bible says, keep it to yourself. And so it's one of these things in modern day Christianity, we can even celebrate things. Well, we've already got our reward and so, so storing up treasures in heaven is storing them up with the Lord. It's storing them up with Him, with our Father in heaven. And He knows our good works. He knows our stupid thoughts. He knows our sins. He knows our frustrations. He knows everything. We can't hide anything from Him. We can hide everything from anyone else. And we just put the good bits on Instagram or Facebook. And, and that's okay. There's nothing really wrong with that. But that's not really living, is it? Really living is building a storehouse of wealth with the Lord. When the drought comes, we've still got roots near the stream. As I shared a few weeks ago, we're digging uh, or redigging, if you like, reinstituting a, a um, stream, a creek uh, at our farm and uh, digging a lagoon. And it's interesting because the trees naturally have grown there over the years because they know where the water source is and their roots, we're cutting through some of them now, uh, the roots go right down into deep into where the streams are and they head toward the aquifers because they know where the water is. They know how to survive and it's pretty dry right now. We got 0.6 of a millimetre of rain last night. I always celebrate when the rain gauge shows something um, because it's pretty dry, but we live on rainwater. And so... Um, you know, we're sort of watching shower times now and we're, we're getting a little cautious. The neighbour uh, farm next door, he, he's running out of water and we're seeing water trucks getting delivered around. I mean, water is precious. It's a precious resource. 
And it's interesting when you live on it and you rely on it in the sense of we don't have mains water, we have to really watch it. So, so we're very careful. And that's what trees are like. They're very careful uh, at sending their roots down near the stream. And it's one of those analogies we can take as believers. Send your roots down. Don't just send them out and up so everyone can celebrate how good you're doing. Nothing wrong with doing that. Nothing wrong with being celebrated. But it won't stand the drought. When the drought comes, when the heat of summer comes, when tests come, when trials come, roots that are above ground dry out and shrivel up. Roots that are buried and unseen, they last. And in today's day and age, this is one of those things we need to learn and remember that it's not necessarily the publicly celebrated things that are actually the things where to go after. It's those things sometimes that are hidden. And I know this is, it's, it's sometimes when we talk like this, it's, it's a challenge, it's, it's deep, it's one of those things that we can't necessarily say, yeah, that's amazing preaching, but we know it's true. We know it's true. Because sometimes the hidden things are the best things. Our hidden relationship with the Lord, our hidden fruit with Him, our hidden time with Him, our hidden prayers with Him. These things are sending roots down. And Jeremiah is saying, blessed is the one who does this. Blessed is the one. For he will be like a tree planted by the water, extending its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. Right now in the world, in the Western world, there is heat coming on believers. Heat coming on men. Heat coming on anyone who's straight. Heat coming on anyone who's fundamental, biblical, Christian, and all the other words that you, know, you can call, get called a bigot for these days. But there's heat being applied. And it's the enemy's heat because he loves to turn things around, doesn't he? And things that are good and righteous and true, he turns them around and makes them look bad. And so that's what we often get accused of these days. Of we're the ones who are judgmental. We're the ones who aren't speaking the truth or we're not being loving. And we have to be so wise. This comes back to me almost every single day. We have to be so wise as believers to know what to say and what not to say. And it's just a constant prayer of mine, learning how to shut my mouth and when to actually open it. And in this day and age, that's, the heat looks different in different seasons. But right now, I think in the West, we're under political heat, political heat. Believers are under political correctness heat, if you like. And so we, we really have to learn how to navigate what the enemy's trying to bait us with and he's trying to sort of tempt us with and throw in our face and what we're actually meant to stand for and believe in. And like the roots of the tree, sometimes just go underground. Go underground. I was talking to someone this week about our education system. In fact, it was, it was an unbeliever and they send their kids to, um, well, actually, I believe they actually do have a faith, but you know, they don't profess Christianity, so to speak. And they were talking about the, the secular uh, schooling system now and how their kids are coming home with uh, books on uh, LGBTI issues and, and this sort of stuff. And 10-year-old son, he said his 10-year-old son's come home with these books explaining it and, and encouraging it. And, um, and, it's, it's, and he, he's concerned. He's concerned. And um, it's interesting, even as I speak right now, I'm thinking to myself, this is going on podcast. I wonder who's going to get this. You know what I mean? Even the fact that I have to think like that goes to show that there's heat, political correctness heat. 
But we're not to back off just because someone might accuse us of something. We can still be righteous. We can still be loving. We can still speak truth. We might go to jail for it one day. Uh, Who knows? But it might raise up an army of believers like never before in this nation. As as is happening in other nations, happened in China for 60, 70 years now, the persecuted church, unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable because of persecution. And so... It's one of those things that we often get challenged with, isn't it? Can I say that anymore? Ever found yourself asking yourself that question? Oh, am I allowed to say that? Something you might have said for 50 years. But uh, now you check yourself. Now, there's always 5% of truth in this. And I think in today's day and age, there is some good balancing going on. There is actually some some good equilibrium being bought. And and, and even I was watching, uh, you know, five minutes of the female footy the other day. And I thought, wow, that's actually, that's great. They can go and celebrate, kick the footy and, and, and have a great game that they enjoy and, and absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, but it's, but then, but then it tends to swing the pendulum way, way too far. So now we have to really check ourselves. And this is when I remember that unless we have deep roots, we won't be able to stand this stuff because the enemy will get us. He'll get us because our roots are shallow. We won't know where we stand. And sooner or later, when you don't know where you stand, you get caught out. And it's one of those things that we actually have to give our brain a little bit of exercising and realising that in today's day and age, in, in the West anyway, we have to actually be able to articulate what we believe. We have to know the Word of God so that we know what we believe, so that we know who we believe in, because there's questions being pointed at us all the time. And even if people aren't asking, they're watching. And so this roots hidden by the stream, I believe, is is such a key. Uh, But its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. There's three things I just want to bring out of this today. And the first thing about longevity that that I see and that I'm desiring for, uh, I think these are three really important areas that will keep us in and out of the drought, in the good season, in the bad season, uh, but also keep us strong with the Lord, pursuing and bearing fruit. Those three things are relationship. My phone just did something funny. Relationship, fellowship, and stewardship. Relationship, communion with God. James chapter four, verse eight says this, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Simple, If we've ever felt distant from God, if we've ever felt like He's far off, He can't hear me. I mean, you know, nine times out of 10, I pray that and I think, well, I hope He's heard me on that one. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. It's very simple. When we draw near to Him, there's something irresistible that happens in the heart of the Father where He's drawn to us. He's drawn to our prayers, communion with Him. Unless we have our roots really well embedded with Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, then we will be affected by all that's going on around us. And we will find it difficult in times of drought, in times of famine, when there's a challenge, when the heat's on, when the pressure's on, because our roots aren't deep enough. And there's not so much to say on this because I've shared it from Jeremiah really, other than I wanna continually encourage you. Even if you're doing nothing else, Nothing else in your life, nothing else in your career, nothing else in any realm of your life. You are not wasting time communing with Him. 
Even if life is frustrating, even if things are going backwards, you are not wasting your prayers on Him. If things seem to be going in the other direction, spend some of that energy and that anxiety on Him. Give it to Him. Hand it over to Him. None of those words are wasted. None of those tears are wasted. None of that frustration is wasted. If you have to go for a walk or a run or, a, or an e-bike ride like Keith does, or, you know, I saw him the other day on South Road and thinking, man, that is awesome. I want to be like that at that age. You know, I want, he's got the fancy hairdo. And I mean, he's just a, the epitome of a young man. And it's, it's a great thing, but whatever it takes, whatever it takes to commune with Him, commune with Him. There is no, the enemy will try and put regulations on us. He'll try and put a time frame on us. You haven't prayed for an hour today, you bad person. That's the voice of the enemy. You haven't done enough to gain God's love and affection. That's the voice of the enemy. You haven't been a good person this week. You've had some bad thoughts you nasty person, you sinner. This is the voice of the accuser, the Satan, the enemy. He brings condemnation. Christ freed us from condemnation. He freed us from that. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus today, there's no condemnation. You give, give your sin to Him. Get, repent, get it off your chest, get it off your life. Give it to Him, put it at the foot of the cross, ask for forgiveness and He assures us that He'll come and wash us of every sin, of every thought, of every negativity in our lives. He will come as we appropriate the work of the cross to our lives. Communing with Him, it's one of those things that we regularly need to plough the ground, plough the ground, plough the ground. Second thing that I've seen really succeed in a long and prosperous life with the Lord is fellowship. What do I mean by that? Community of His people. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. As you know, our verse from Hebrews is spur one another on. I wonder why so many Scriptures in, in, in the Bible about people getting together, iron sharpening iron, others being encouraged by other people because we are humans. We're humans. Yes, we have a spirit, but we also have flesh and we have emotions and we have feelings and all of these things can get hurt and damaged and affected. And so we need in our spirit and if we live in the spirit, then we encourage one another. We build one another up. We build one another up. And it's one of those things that we have to continually remind ourselves, be an encouragement, not a discourager. Be one who provides solutions, not problems. Be one who looks at the gold in other people, not in the dirt. Be one who actually sees God in them, not the enemy, who sees goodness in them, not sin. And when we do that, we're actually prophesying over people. We're saying, come on, let's do this. Come on, let's get bigger. Let's get better. Let's get bolder. Let's go higher for the King. Let's actually see the goodness in each other. And this is not to just gloss over anything that's wrong. We don't have to become sort of bubble people who don't even notice anything like this. And if you want to live like that, it's probably a good place to live. But this is talking about when we see someone who needs encouraging, build them up. Build them up. 
whether it's the Word of God, whether it's something you've got for them just to encourage them. I did it this week. I, I, I had a thought and I just messaged someone because it just came to me. It wasn't really something I could call a prophetic word or anything that was kind of that weighty, but I just had the thought and I know it was encouraging and I know there was nothing really confusing about it. So I, I sent it off and they came back saying, wow, that's actually something I'd just been dwelling on and thinking about. You never know how your energy and your momentum with Jesus this morning is going to affect someone tomorrow. You never know what you carry, how much someone else might need that. Your encouragement, your gifts, your talents, your energy, your life, the vitality that you have in you, someone else is going to need that this week. Build one another up. Be an encourager. Be one who spurs other people on. If we can grow in this area of spurring one another on and building one another up, I'm telling you, it's, it's almost an unstoppable momentum because all of a sudden people switch into a positive mindset. And when we switch into a positive mindset, it's like catalyst, something happens. I've shared this a few times, but I can't help mentioning it when I mention the word catalyst. We were the largest purchaser of Catalyst in Australia, in our business, at the high point of our company, largest purchaser of resin and Catalyst. And to set fiberglass products off, you need resin, the plastic, the polymer, and you need Catalyst. You only need one or 2% of Catalyst and it sets the whole thing off. And we made massive, massive tanks and pipes and chimneys and stacks and things like this. And often I'd look at it and go, wow, if it weren't for that 1.5% catalyst in that resin, the whole thing would just be soup, a big messy soup. One and a half percent. That's all the encouragement you're going to need to be this week to someone else, to set them off, to set them off, to set them off into a, into a gifting, into a calling, because your gift is needed. Your mouth is needed in the body of Christ. More than ever before, we need mouthpieces for Jesus. You know what? He left the earth. Did you work that out? He left the earth around 2,000 years ago. But He left us with a great piece of the Trinity, great piece of the Godhead, and His name is Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit came upon us. Yes, He does things sovereignly and God is everywhere. But for some reason, He chose you and me, flesh and blood, to be the members of His significant body. And us as a body are meant to express the Kingdom of Heaven here on earth. So we are actually meant to be the arms and the legs, the mouthpiece, the ambassadors for Heaven. I know you know this, but it's sometimes just going back to basics. We realise, wow, I've got stuff I can be doing this week. If you've even got 1% of God in you, you can make a difference. Just 1%. You can be the catalyst in your own life. Maybe it's just prayer, communion with Him. All right, it's time. It's time, Lord, I give up. I give up. I'm going to take that 20 minutes out of whatever, Netflix, Facebook, Instagram, sleep. I know that's a hard one. Whatever it is, do it. I guarantee you, your 1% will begin to multiply. Your 1% will begin to multiply. You'll be amazed what 1% catalysts can do. We've, we've made 100 kilometre pipelines all over Australia, 100 kilometre pipelines, and there's only 1% catalyst 
in that pipe. It's a tiny, tiny fraction. But the whole thing, those things will last hundreds and hundreds of years because of that 1%. Your 1% is needed in the body of Christ. Your gift is needed in the body of Christ. Your voice is needed. Your voice is desperately needed. Your righteousness, your talents, your thinking, your creativity, your hands, whatever you've got, put your 1% in because the fellowship of saints, the body of Christ needs everyone. And I believe more now than ever, we are to be great stewards of what God's given us. And that flows into the the last thing I was going to say. But interestingly enough, I was reading a quote by Lance Wolnow. He's an interesting fellow if you ever watch some of his stuff. He's kind of abstract and prophetic. And, you know, I go along with like 80% of what he says, but that's okay. But he says, transformation is not a solo act. Transformation is not a solo act. Interesting thought, isn't it? We can't do it on our own. We best become transformed believers when we're around other believers. And it's one of those interesting things because we frustrate each other, but we need each other. And we look different and sound different. And I mean, you go to different churches, we all do things different ways. And I've given up thinking our way is the way. I used to think that. But now, I mean, you see enough and you go, oh my goodness, who cares? Who cares? It really doesn't matter what songs you sing. It really doesn't matter what liturgy you use, what styles, what version you use and all these different things that we get so set on. And and we begin to think that they are almost one of the fundamental things in our faith. And then, you know, you see a few things, you visit a few places or you you just become a little bit bigger than yourself and you realise God doesn't care about all that stuff. He really doesn't care about all that stuff. But He loves to see us be transformed. And so some of those things that we got so pent up about over the years, maybe of, of doing it our way, or we've got, the, we've got this, or we've got that, and we just let go of all that stuff, we realise we need everyone. We need everyone. And, uh, and transformation isn't a solo act. A church can't be transformed on an isolated little island, just like we can't. We need each other. You need the encouragement of that person down the road. I know they might be annoying, but you know what? Sometimes we need annoyance just to challenge us and test us a little bit. Because it's very easy to bear fruit when everything's going okay. Not so easy when we're challenged. Not so easy when we're offended. Not so easy when someone doesn't like us or when someone misinterprets what we say. But how are we going to use patience if it's never tested? And so we've got to expect this stuff, but it's no reason to sort of, you know, leave the whole show and just, you know, you hear people say this, uh, you know, there are people who have left the church 10 years ago. Ah, oh, I've been to church all my life and this and this and this and this. And you look at their lives and they're a desert. They're an absolute desert. They float around from place to place to place. They don't know really what they believe or who they believe. And they're offended by everyone and they think they know everything. But they're deserts. They're people that you, you're just like, please, I, I want to leave right now. I'd, I want to go back with those weird family members who just, who annoy me, but I've got to be with them because they're the family of God and I love worshipping God together and there's something about that that's a catalyst to my spirit that I know I need. Even though we don't all agree on everything. I mean, yesterday we had in Adelaide two football games and some are happy, some aren't happy. It's okay. 
this is when I bow out and just enjoy football in general. (laughs) But it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's so many, and this word uh, intersectionality, you'll hear it a lot. I think it's one of these words that's coming out in culture right now. Intersectional, it's, it's where our lives intersect. And uh, I'm hearing a lot of political commentators talk on it. And it's interesting because people will trip us up or find out where our beliefs intersect with theirs. And the truth is, if, if you look hard enough, we all intersect at some point. We all have cells. There's a point of intersection for humans. We all have an imagination. We all have a heart. We all have lungs. And then you go a little bit deeper. Oh, we all actually believe in air. We all believe the earth is round, except a couple of weirdos. Uh, we all, we all, well, okay, we actually, do you know what I mean? We actually, we actually intersect more than we think. But society wants to point out the points where we contradict each other. Always saying, oh, you believe differently. And the, the finger pointing, finger pointing, finger pointing. Accusation. Remember that the enemy is the king of accusation. If you're ever feeling accused, remember where it's coming from. It's not coming from heaven. It's not coming from your father. And so we've got to be really wise, wise, wise in knowing, hang on, that's from the enemy. That's an accusation. He's baiting me. He's baiting me on that, not even going there. And it takes a very wise person to do that, doesn't it? Last one, stewardship. Being committed to His Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in Righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is a verse I've memorized for years. I love this verse because it doesn't matter what your feelings are, it doesn't matter what your opinions are, it doesn't matter your bank account or how healthy you feel. This verse is like a rock for believers. All scripture is inspired by God, other verses say. Inspired by God or breathed by God. And is useful for, I find it interesting, the, the interesting points he brings out here. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. These are the kind of things you'd expect if you were at boot camp. It doesn't say here, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for having fun, having parties, being the most successful person in life, getting it all together, etc. It does it. Teaching, rebuking, correcting and training. Why is that? Because I believe God the Father knew that even though we are made righteous when we receive Jesus Christ, His righteousness becomes ours. He knew that we then need some practical training in how to be righteous. So He then gave us Scripture. He breathed on it by His Spirit. And then He said, it's gonna be useful for teaching you, for rebuking you when you're a nut, for correcting you, when you're just out of line and for training in what? In righteousness. But if we're already made righteous, why do we need all this stuff? Because our flesh keeps rising up and we need to die to our flesh and we need to apply the Spirit-breathed Scripture to our lives every single day. Every single day. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. This is what I call calibrating. Calibrating our spirit, calibrating our mind, calibrating our lives to look like Christ. And we're not just faking it, but this is actually rigid 
deep Word of God, which is like a double-edged sword. And it cuts away silly thoughts. It cuts away sin. It cuts away pride and flesh and anger and unforgiveness. The Word of God cuts through these things to get rid of them off our lives so that we can be who God the Father wants us to be. Because He wants you to be successful. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to flourish. Flourish. He wants your life to flourish. But sometimes He has to get rid of some stuff so that we actually will flourish. There's stuff in our lives, I believe, that the Word of God will always trim and it, was all, it will always sharpen. And that's why I believe He brings out these points, teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Because as humans, we need continual training in righteousness. What does it look like to be righteous? What does it look like to be righteous? To be right before Him, to live a righteous life 24-7. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big thought. It's a deep thought. But the only way we can do it is go back to Jeremiah. Send the roots down. Send the roots deep down, below the surface, below what other people can see. Digging a well of stuff that goes deeper and deeper and deeper. It's interesting when the droughts come, and I know in our nation we have, we have a lot of droughts, and, and sometimes it's, it's one of those things you can't do anything about. But one of the things that I've, well, I've actually uh, supplied a lot of pipe to all around Australia is to water wells, aquifers. And right out in the desert in South Australia, there's aquifers, the Great Artesian Basin, basin it's called, and, and it goes down about 950 metres, about a kilometre down. And so we would, the drillers would dig holes about 300 mil in diameter and they'd have rigs out there for weeks and be drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling drill through every you know formation you can think about and then they'd finally hit the great artesian basin and when they hit the great artesian basin i'm telling you it's like a celebration on the drill rig you can't miss it because there's so much pressure down there there's so much life force in that water it's up to 80 plus degrees c 80 or 90 degrees C. It's incredibly warm because it's closer to the earth and there's some geothermal activity down there as well. But, but it's really, really hot water and there's so much pressure. When they break through the surface, that water shoots up as fast as you can imagine and it comes up out of there. The drill rig just gets absolutely drenched in water and for a long time until they cap it or case it, that water just keeps flowing and flowing. There's so much energy down there. It's just like the kingdom. You have a well of the kingdom inside of you. You have a raging geothermal spirit-filled well inside of you. I know some of you, even as I say that, and like, it's not in me, I can't feel it. It doesn't matter. Do you know what? We're standing on earth right now. That great artesian basin is activities happening right now. We don't know it. We have no idea. So much pressure, so much water, so much force. It's all waiting just to be tapped into. And sometimes when we tap into it, that life force that comes out is very surprising. Other times, maybe it's just a stream that comes out. But hey, a stream's just as good as a a surge if you want water. Every single one of us who has the Kingdom of God, who believes in Jesus, has resources of heaven inside of us. Tap into it. Send the roots down. Send the roots down. Stop doubting. Stop questioning. Stop making excuses. Stop thinking everyone else has got the calling and you haven't got the calling. You've got it. 
You've got it. If you're in Christ and you've got roots, you're called. It's as simple as that. We need an army in Australia. And sometimes it'll look like being on the steps of Parliament House. I think more often than not, it'll look like us being believers, doing things that God's called us to do every day, every day. Now there's a time to get political. There's a time to do stuff. And and I do that as well. But more often than not, there's a time to send the roots down. Send the roots down. I'm telling you, let's send them deeper. Even as a community and as a church and as people, send them deeper in prayer, deeper in prayer. I wanna finish on this. I've been dwelling for probably three years plus, I think, maybe even five years. I've been dwelling on the temperature of revival around the world. I'm talking particularly in the West because... In a lot of persecuted nations, revival is probably at an all-time high. Believers coming into the kingdom are staggering what God is doing all around the world in, in developing nations. But I'm talking about the West. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of churches. There's more worship albums than ever before in history. There's more names that you can imagine than, I mean, you could probably name more preachers now, famous ones than than you could 30 years ago because there's more prominence. But there's not more move of God. I'm talking in the West. And I look at when there is maybe a move of God and I look and go, wow, is that a move of God or is it a move of man? And I'm not being critical this morning, but I'm just, I'm sending roots deep. I'm sending roots deep because I don't want us to settle just for extended meetings. I don't want us to settle just for a nice new worship album that comes out and think, think, oh, finally, I mean, I love a new worship album, believe me. We, we download them all the time. And I do go finally. But I've downloaded enough to know that that is not gonna bring breakthrough in the heavens. As much as we love them. There's a whole lot more I could say on that. I don't, I don't wanna get negative, but I wanna send the roots down. Don't be satisfied with TV revival. Don't be satisfied with just someone saying, we've gathered a great group of people together and even the awakening. We went over to the awakening and it was amazing. But it was a whole lot of work. I'm telling you, we couldn't do that every week. We just couldn't. It'd burn us out. A spirit move of God is like fire. And I've read enough and I've been around enough and I've experienced enough and I've read for years upon years upon years about spontaneous moves of God. They often start with us, but then I'm telling you, they're unstoppable. You don't have to organise a thing. You don't have to advertise a thing. You don't have to Facebook or Instagram anything because it's of the Spirit of God. And that's what happens when we send our roots down into the hidden place that no one else can see, no one else can hear, into that hidden place because we're going for the deep stream. I want the aquifer. I want that aquifer that just keeps going, that's white hot, that's absolutely boiling. It's so hot that if you touch it, you'll be affected. But from what I've observed in my tiny little life, it's not something that just comes in our, in our own fleshly way of building a church. It's something that only comes by the Spirit of God and it's deeper than the surface level. It's deeper than building a church. It's deeper than building a personality. It's deeper than, deeper than building, you know, what we might call prosperity. It's deeper than all of that. All of that stuff is fine. There's nothing wrong. I don't even criticise that stuff anymore. It's the, it's the I think, icing on the cake, but it's not the cake. 
We want the cake. We want that deep water that flows, that flows, that flows, that flows. And it keeps flowing. Do you know there's so much water down there? It's unbelievable. It's more water down there than there is in the ocean. It's incredible. Incredible. More invisible water than visible water. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? But you think about that. It's just like the kingdom of heaven. Your spirit is so powerful. It's so powerful. If we will tap into that in a greater way, I know many of you do, and we thank the Lord all the time for our faithful prayers and givers and servers and lovers and family members and etc. etc. But if we really, really are asking the Lord for something when we're not going to be satisfied with just a conference as good as conferences are, a new theology as good as something new is, a new revelation, that's great. But if Australia and Adelaide is going to be impacted, it's going to take us tapping into something deeper. That deeper, the great heavenly basin. The great heavenly basin. Why don't you stand with me? I want the worship team to come. Just lift your hands. Let's begin to tap in this morning. Just for a few minutes together, just begin to ask Him for the deeper I know most of you aren't satisfied. I know most of you, like me, if you are completely honest, you get bored with church. You get bored with trying so hard to please everyone and please yourself. Trying to look right, sound right, do right, be right. It's, it can be frustrating. But when we tap into heaven in a deeper way, something happens. Something begins to happen. And it begins to give us a little bit of a taste of what it's really like to be filled with the Spirit. And so, Lord, we just take these few minutes to tap into that water source, something deeper, Lord. We're not satisfied. We're not satisfied. We want something more of You, Lord. So we ask, come Holy Spirit, as we just begin to tap in, as we begin to ask for more, ask for more, ask for more, ask for more. Sometimes He'll give it to you. Sometimes it'll be tomorrow morning when you're not feeling like and you'll remember, I'm tapping in. Tomorrow night, you might be tired. I'm tapping in. I'm, I'm going for the great heavenly basin. I'm gonna begin a generational blessing that starts with me. I'm gonna begin a movement within my own spirit because that's where it begins. That's where it begins. More than gathered meetings or forced times of of meetings and I love, I love all that stuff, celebrate it. But it tends to die out. But when God does something in the spirit of a man or a woman, something happens. So today, Lord, that's what we're praying for. We pray that You would move on our hearts and that You would begin a move in our spirits that is deeper, wider, flowing of Your Spirit, of Your life. Take away the dissatisfaction of the world and Lord, we pray that You would flow in us, flow in us, flow in us, in those hidden places. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come.